Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Eurythmics podcast. This is number 17. And today, uh, myself, Rex Aldana, and Mark Stevens will be talking about deep cuts. Those are cuts in the Eurythmics catalog that uh, maybe don't get played or heard so much, but are personal favorites. And um, this, we think this is going to be fun, and we're going to do it spontaneously. I think each of us have about five of them picked out, plus maybe a couple of bonus ones. So, um, oh, I've got listen- more. yeah, what? <laughs> I've got more than a few bonus ones, but I'm going to try to limit it. I'm going to okay. try. To- <laughs> no problem on that. Um, so, hopefully, whoever's listening in can. Uh, you know, decide whether or not they agree with our assessments of these deep cuts. Okay, so uh, we did a little coin, a, a coin toss of sorts, and I won to go first. So my first, and I'm going in no particular order, no kind of chronological order, or anything like that. But my first deep cut that I really like is "I Need You" from Savage. Oh, and I just think that that's a great. Uh, well, of course, it's different from the rest of the album. It's a it's an acoustic number. We've talked about it before when we've um, discussed Savage or this album or Savage video album. But you know, it's just got those really biting, great lyrics and um, a great vocal performance by Annie, and really not like anything they had put on album before. And so, it's just a personal favorite of mine. I like the way that it changes the mood of the album and. Um, if you've seen the video, you know that they're sort of um, playing to a disinterested room of people, and uh, which, of course, is a whole common commentary on uh, ig- ignorance of art, maybe, or ignoring art, or you know, maybe focusing on things that aren't so great when there's something good right in front of you. I don't know. But little uh, Sam Stewart makes an appearance in the video as a little baby, and uh, so yeah. Those are my thoughts on I Need You. What do you think, Mark? Oh, that's an interesting choice. Um, I'll say that for the most part, I've gone a little bit different on mine, but we'll get to that. But uh, no, that is an interesting, and and, and it isn't, um, I think it's a very uh, emotional song stripped down to an acoustic on that very uh, non-acoustic album of Savage. Um, so it's, you know, so I think that performance and the, and sort of being ignored, like, you know, sort of like a a band in a restaurant or some such thing, you know, um, and I think it's a commentary on that too, on, you know, she's speaking, you know, through those lyrics about something very personal. Um, and yet, you know, it's cheapened by people not paying attention. So. Uh, it is. Uh, um, I think some critics found it kind of odd that there'd been all this electronic uh, work on the album and suddenly on what, I think it's track 11. Am I right on that? Track 11 and out of 12. And um, then suddenly they go acoustic, you know, and I think I th- I think well, it's probably Rolling Stone. We're always picking on Rolling Stone. It, it may not even be Rolling Stone in my mind, but, you know, they seem to have, like, well, what's the deal with that? And they didn't like it that Dave had put some banter in from, in essence, you know, what, what an audience would be. Didn't bother me. No, that's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting choice. Uh, yeah, one that, a, that was a common good. criticism in the 80s uh, with, um, Dave put a lot of, you know, audio things in the songs and, and, and other artists were doing that too. And, and that was a common target for critics. Critics didn't seem to like, the inclusion of, you know, weird audio sounds in songs. I, it never bothered me. I thought it was kind of forward thinking and, and all that, but we've come full circle now. Now everybody does it and it's an accepted thing, but yeah, you're right. I mean, critics. But it was a, it's an interesting track, you know, especially with the more, the more well-known single, I need a man. And then a few tracks later, it's I need you. But man, those are some great lyrics in that too. Really biting lyrics. Yeah. Wreck my skull. That's some. That's a really deep song, uh, and totally, totally different than anything else on that album. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now your turn. 
Well, since you did, uh, I, I, this is not an unknown song at all. It's not really a deep cut, but I'm going to do it in a different way. Um, it's Don't Ask Me Why, the acoustic version. And, um, and this, when I was through songs and said, you know, what are things that I really like that maybe aren't all that well known? Um, and at first I thought, well, this was only released on a promo, an acoustic promo in the U.S. And then I thought, no, that's not right. And it kind of goes to show you, you know, all the years that have passed. And I used to know all this stuff like the back of my hand. But, mm -hmm. you know, wait a minute. No, it was in that little box set and it had a poster with it and had a CD single. And then wait a minute. Oh, it was also a special edition of the 12 inch single that they did have that acoustic version on it. Now, what I can't is why it was not part of the um, uh, remastered uh, uh, albums back in 2005. It wasn't included. None of the acoustic versions from, from that uh, were included, which had, you know. And, I, and the reason I chose it, um, it's such a different version of that. And, and, sh and, and they did acoustic stuff so well. And so it's interesting that you started with an, an acoustic song as well. Um, but it's so well done. And it's so, um, you feel those um, lyrics so much more. And I and Don't Ask Me Why is one of my top five songs. I love, adore that song. Yeah. And I love the album version and the strings and all that. And very often when they have taken a song uh, and then reduced it to an acoustic. It's so different. It's so emotional. Um, and she does it so well. And that's the reason I included it, because um, I don't think it's all that well known, especially beyond the, the main fan base. It's not one that you, you, and it didn't, like I said, it didn't get included. And it's one of those really, it should have been, it should have been included on, on the remaster. So that's why I included it, because I think it got lost in the shuffle. Um, it wasn't on the main 12-inch. It was on a special 12-inch. Uh, it was never released in the U.S., So except, except on a promo that went out to the radio stations that also had an acoustic version of Baby's Gonna Cry and When the Day, when the Day Goes Down. So that's why I included it. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything about it, if, if you need to add anything. <laughs> No, it's a great song. Um, it, it's you know, it's it the, the acoustic, his acoustic guitar and her voice. I mean, are just so powerful. I don't think I can add much more to it than what you said, but it's it is a favorite of mine as well. I've always loved that version. Um, and you're right; it should have been released properly, uh, you know, on the remasters or whatever. But I'm sure maybe, hopefully, we'll see that in some sort of box set that'll come later. <laughs> so we're all clamoring for that box set. Back to you. <laughs> um, so no, that's a great choice, though. Thanks. So what's your next choice? Okay, so my next choice is, it is My Guy, the TVP song uh -huh. that is a cover of, I guess, My Girl. And, you know, all the fans know that they were going to make a movie called TVP back in the late 80s, and it, it never came to fruition. But they recorded a number of songs at the time that were covers of other songs. And they released a bunch of them on the CD remasters that came out in 2005, the album remasters. And I just think it is, it's, it's really short and it sounds unfinished, but it's so good. I mean, and it's so like futuristic sounding and electronic and her voice is manipulated in a way that's really um, kind of thrilling to me, actually. I just think it's a terrific, electronic alternative version of that great soul song. My only regret is it doesn't go on longer, but I just think it's for those two minutes or however, when one minute and 35 seconds or ever, however long it is, I just think it's brilliant. And I just, I'm wondering if there's any other versions of it out there or a more complete version that we may see in the future. But uh, so that's, that's basically what I have to say about that. <laughs> My guess is there's not, and I, I agree with you that uh, it has always sort of sounded like a demo to me. It's, uh, it's, I think mm. it sounds almost not completed. 
right. and they didn't really complete that project, so that may be the case. It is interesting. Someone posted recently, very, very recently, uh, a great interview where George Harrison and the TVP project was a George Harrison project. And yeah. somebody posted yeah. recently a, an interview with George Harrison where he was um, saying how Dave Stewart uh, got him uh, back into writing uh, and how influential Eurythmics were. And I think the Revenge Tour yeah. was to him. That was very interesting. And this was all around that time, a little bit after that. So uh, you can see how they came involved in that project. Um, I will say it's not one of my favorite TVP uh, selections. However, it is, uh, it's probably there in the middle um, of, of those cuts from that. So, um, and I think it is an enjoyable song. I, I think probably to me, the reason I don't like it more is that I think it does sound sort of unfinished. Yeah. But I, I do like the, the twist on the song. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It sounds unfinished. I just, um, I just think for the, yeah, I mean, of course, there are other songs from that TVP, TVP project that are more completed or sound like complete songs. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I see what you're saying that, that this is, you know, like demo-like, but I just think for as long as it goes on, it's just brilliant. And I would just love to just hear a full-length version of it. And mm -hmm. um, it almost ends like you wonder, is it going to, is it, is it, did it really, did it, it ends so quickly that you're like, did it get cut off? Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah I, don't, okay. I don't know. I, I, it's, it, I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about those, you know, because they did get sort of placed on all the albums and the remastered and kind of, they spread it around because that was the one big project that everyone knew about and it hadn't had, didn't see the light of day. So they kind of spread it around. Um, so it would be interesting to really talk to Dave and Annie about that project and how they did it and why it didn't really happen and how they picked the songs. Anyway, so yeah, a lot we still don't know about it. Right. Did you see that a while back there was a a, 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 a poster from TVP that, you know, like a yeah. promo poster? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was very, very interesting, very uh very, very cool looking, very futuristic looking. Didn't look to me like something from the 80s. It looked more advanced than that. So hmm. like maybe something you would have seen in the late 90s or early 00s in terms of just the way it looked, you know, the the, the typography, the layout, the fonts and all that. So yeah. anyhow, okay. Um, I guess it's your turn now. <laughs> you did a cover, so I'm going to do a cover. Uh, this is one of my favorite songs, Tu Le Garçon. Uh, which was released as a B-side on the It's All Right, Baby's Coming Back 12-inch. And, of course, before that, they had performed it as the closing song on the Sweet Dreams tour, I believe. And um, this is the studio version on the back of It's All Right. So it's a, a B-side. Um, and uh, it, it was released on all the, the 12-inch singles around the world. So it's not necessarily not well-known. But I just adore that um, that, and it, it was it was thankfully included on the remasters. But um, I've always loved that. I love that little the ding at the very beginning. Yeah, and it's such a joyful song, and uh, it just makes me happy every time. I can if it comes on, I have all the songs in my car that I've downloaded to the system. Whenever I sell my car, by the way, somebody's going to get like three hundred Eurythmic songs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it on there. But, um, and anyway, my point was anytime it comes on, if I'm in the car, it, it, I turn it way up because it's, it, I just love that song. Uh, so that's my strange little well, piece. I love it too, probably as much as you do. And I've always loved it. And, um, uh, you know, frankly, I, I didn't think of it when I was thinking of deep cuts, maybe, maybe cause it doesn't seem like a deep cut to me, but, um, yeah, I love it as much as you do. It's so energetic and, and uh, her vocals are great, and um, uh, that kind of like that keyboard, you know, is so like it sounds like it's uh, uh, like it's balancing on something, you know, like it's going back and forth. Da -dun -da -dun, da -dun -da -dun. Um, yeah. it, it sounds very loose and fluid. Um, it was it was such a surprise to me when it, it was released because you know it had been used on the tour. 
years before. And so it was sort of such a surprise to see it mm-hmm. show up uh, uh, so unexpected. Um, so uh, I, I was so grateful that we had it. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great selection. And uh, yeah, I think, and I think a lot of fans, you know, cherish that song a lot. And it was, um, I just always loved that it was like attached to the, there must be an angel releases. Cause it, it was just like, you know, first you were getting this great single already with a great sleeve. And then you had this great, so- other great songs on there too. And yeah, it was just, well, it was, it again, was, we, we, we talked about their B sides before and all that and how much we love them. And that's just one, uh, one example of, of why. But, but no, that, but that's on the, it's all right. 12 inch, not there must be an angel. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Although I bet I know what's coming up anyway. <laughs> all right. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah. So now uh, after that flub, <laughs> see, we're all just getting a little bit older here. <laughs> um, all right, don't talk about that. <laughs> you're right. Again, it, but it, but it all means the same thing. It was still a great single and a great, and a great sleeve. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. <laughs> I mean, I just, well, I guess my point was that it's just, it was always a great package to get the song plus their little interesting quirky B sides, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, um, my turn, right? It's okay. Um, I've got another sort of acoustic thing here. So okay. we got kind of a trend going, although, you know, it's, anyways, it's the Angel Choir version that, um, you know, from the We Two Are One era that I believe, was, yeah, it was on the it was on the Angel uh, single, you know, B side of the Angel single. Yeah, and I just always love this version. I think I like it actually better than the uh, album version. It just has a, I don't know, I, you know, I mean, you've got that that choir, you know, in the in the background, and her stripped down voice and all that, and it's just very powerful to me and i think i just like it better than the album version because it's more stripped down and i like the inclusion of the choir the choir gives it uh, such a powerful punch i think um well this it's interesting that you that you included that it did not make my final list uh and i had several on here to to come to to pick possibly but i did listen to it several times uh, because I, I kept contemplating if it would be on the list. Uh, so kudos to you, because I think it's a, <laughs> a great version. And I, I, and I love, I always like your, uh, the keyboards or the grand piano in this case, I would suspect, um, in their songs, because it's always really powerful uh, that yes. when they use them. And for a very long time, it probably was my preferred version for that song. And I, I don't know all these years later if I prefer one over the other. Although I will say uh, the version of that that she did a few years later for the Diana, uh, the Princess Diana tribute uh, was also very good. So Yeah, I, I was just going to say that actually. I, I really like that version as well too. And I, it was hard for me to pick which of the two I wanted to select. Yeah, you could have you easily picked that one too. Yeah, as a kind of, because I think that when we first talked about doing this, it was sort of like B signs, deep cuts, you know, things that are kind of out there. Uh, that, but you know, but no, that is a, a great a version of that, and I always really liked it. Um, just that they did it, and it's very smartly done. Yeah, and you mentioned the keyboards, which uh, yeah, I mean, they're so good on that song too. Um, and they've always been so good when they've used a choir in the background for something. Yeah. And, Dave even talked about that many years ago that they might tour one day, you know, with a, a gospel choir, you know, and I'm still hoping to see that. He sort of did that actually with his, uh, the Eurythmic songbook. He had an entire choir. So I'd love to see Dave and Annie. Well, they've done, they've done um, orchestras, uh, but never necessarily the choir on a tour. Right. So I'd love to see that. Uh, and they could do that. Um, shall I go on? So now, well, yeah, I'm going to go to another B side. This is not, not. It, it, lots of fans know this, but as I mentioned, the, this is the B side from "There Must Be an Angel." Grown up girls, um, 
Well, I mean, that's the one I was confusing with Tule Garcon. That's on the. I, I, I knew you were. Uh, um, you know, they had a lot of um, great songs before that that were certainly club hits. But I think this is the first time that Dave and Annie and Eurythmics actually released a dance song. I mean, this song. And even the lyrics, dance, dance, as if your heart would break. Uh, you know, this this is made for the dance floor. Mm-hmm. This is everything about it is so much fun. And then you think, okay, so this is a B-side for the second single off Be Yourself Tonight. Nine tracks on Be Yourself Tonight. Could this have been a 10th um, um, uh, album track? And if so... How would that have fit in? Because it doesn't really sound like the rest of Be Yourself Tonight. But, you know, I think they were in Paris when they were recording this and how it came about. And um, and I think, you know, some French lyrics in it. Um, And I just think it's such a great song. I'm so grateful again that it was, in fact, included on the remasters. Um, There's a great remix of it out there that, you know, one of those... Uh, back in the day, even that um, one of the remix folks did back in the day. So it's, it's great to have a, another version of it. People can look that up. I'm sure it's on YouTube uh, if they don't have it. But I just think it's 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 not like anything else they'd ever done, and it's not really like uh, it's not a very. I don't think I wouldn't call it experimental. They did a lot of really great experimental B sides early on. And I wouldn't call it experimental. Um, just it's it's not like anything they they've done. Maybe that's why it's not on Be Yourself Tonight. I would have loved to know what we would have all thought about it if it had been, and what we would say about it. But uh, you know, well, if, if I had to put it on the album, like I would probably put it after Sisters, between Sisters and Conditioned Soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I you know, so what that it didn't sound like everything else on the album, and they were kind of known for that anyway. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, but you're right though. I mean, it, it, when you listen to be yourself tonight, it has a certain sound, even those kind of rock numbers at the end that, that are, uh, kind of extended, those even sound kind of like they should be on the album, but you're right. This doesn't sound like anything they've ever done before. Um, I always thought it was so dynamic and so breathtaking. Um, it, it was a shame that it was like a B side and not really, um, you know, it might've worked better on 1984. <laughs> uh, maybe a little too happy for 1984. Yeah, a little too happy. But I mean, it's in that same kind of dancey. You know, S- Sex Crime was kind of a dance song too. In fact, <laughs> enjoyed uh, enjoyed I think more success in the U.S. on on the dance charts and in mm-hmm. clubs than it did on the radio. Well, I, I just think it's it's it. Like I said, I think that absolutely had success on the in the dance halls uh, with some of their singles. It just sounded like. It was created for, you know, uh, uh, dancing, and, and of course, maybe it's just lyrics, but um, it's just—it's always—it's just always been a favorite. It was a favorite of my brother's back in the day, and he would not have been one who loved "There Must Be an Angel," but man, did he love that B side! <laughs> yeah. yeah, I. I would um, have to say that's probably one of my favorite favorites as well. Yeah, I mean, always has been. Um, just a just a great song. I, I can't. I think we could talk about this for another ten minutes, but <laughs> it's too bad we can't play it and talk about it. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I guess people may wonder why don't you play some of these things? Well, you know, we're not. You don't. I, I don't think we're really allowed to. I think yeah. it's who you ask, you know, and you might could get by with playing a few seconds of it, but we really don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, we also, we also live in an age now where anybody listening who wants to go hear what we're talking about can just go instantly hear it anywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, all right. My next deep cut is probably something I think a lot of fans would probably go, huh? I, I don't know if I would consider that one of my favorite songs, but it's how long from we two are one. Hmm. Okay. I've always loved that song. Um, I know 
it can be dismissed as maybe an album towards a song towards the end of the album, or maybe like filler or something like that. Um, which I, I don't agree. Um, I just think it's a great song about corruption, you know, corruption in Hollywood, corruption in the music industry. And I think it's got some, some biting lyrics in it. Um, I think she gives a great vocal performance. Um, I like, you know, I like the lyric when doctors sign on the dotted line. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and even, and, and even the lyric, um, can strip you bare just like frozen food. Uh, you know, that's, that's on, the, on the on the first, you know, you could hear that lyric and you might think, oh, pfft, please, like frozen food. But when you think about it, I mean, yeah, I mean, what is what is what is the problem with frozen food? I mean, it's essentially <laughs> stripped of all its best qualities. So, in, I, I just I only bring that up because I remember in the day that lyric I think um, got met with some ridicule. Um, oh, okay. Um, and I always thought that's ridiculous. I think it's a great lyric. Um, I do too, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, uh, people not 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 agree if it's maybe it seems maybe it seems too easy, you know, just frozen food. But I don't know. But it just it gets the point across really well. I just think it's a really good song, and and, it, and it's um it it follows their whole kind of ideology and mantra about you know anti-establishment, um, you know um, the the corruption within well the corruption within the world basically i'm not just the music industry or hollywood or the or governments or anything like that just corruption and and f- being careful not to fall into maybe the pitfalls of fame or whatever you know i think the thing is too and i and i i think that's a great song um and i think that's a great pick it's very much thank you they um they did a lot of those types of songs on the uh, second side of their albums near the end. I think perhaps put "Lifted" in there from "Peace." Uh, you could put um, oh, I had it a minute ago, um, but they 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 well um, when the day goes down um, that are sort of uh, not overtly political songs but they're talking about society uh shame from savage could to could go there yeah i was just going to say that it's almost like this uh, companion piece to shame in a way in terms of the uh you know i I think dave and annie maybe more annie if it's lyrics but i think they both had their hand in that sometimes i think uh they like to go there they like to explore those things. I think they were very careful to kind of pull themselves out, not to get too political at times. Right. It's all there. But I mean, hey, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This is a political song. Well, I was just going to say, you can go right back to Sweet Dreams. It's the same theme, you know, about world, about some of them want to be abused. Some of them want to abuse you, use, be used, corruption. It's just, yeah, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good deep track. Yeah. And um, I think it's the kind of song that, you know, if, if you play it more and, and kind of don't consider it like a, one of those cuts towards the end of the album, I think it really sticks out quite well. And I think it's really held up, too, over the years. Yep, absolutely. All right. Is it All back? Right. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go to an early B-side. Uh, let's just close our um, I know you love this. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it, it's an alternative version of The Walk. Uh, it was released as a B-side to Love is a Stranger. And I think there's a lot of stuff going on there, you know, uh, with different releases where you had The Walk Part 2 with some great um, grand piano. Uh, you had um, Step on the Beast. Uh all of those, I think, tie into that. I'm not sure what was happening here. Um, I've always considered, although it came later, in, in essence released, that Let's Just Close Our Eyes was an early version of The Walk. Now, some people have said, well, maybe it's a later version of The Walk, although the, the Walk is on the album proper. So to me, that, that it was a B-side has always meant to me that it was 
um, an alternative version, an early version that they redid. Most of the lyrics are the same. The the chorus the chorus changes. You know, let's uh, the walk is step away, walk away. Where the uh, let's just close our eyes is um, more. Let, it, it just repeats. Let's just close our eyes. Yeah. Um, and there's just some fun stuff to it you know voiceovers you know okay bye-bye <laughs> at one point <laughs> and um, uh, to me it's the superior version of the walk with the exception with the exception hey and i'll go back to the gospel choir here the live gospel choir version of the walk which is one of the best live versions of any of their songs mm. ever i've said that many times people know that so there's a lot going on there. So I like. I would say if I had to choose on the studio versions, I would pick Let's Just Close Our Eyes over the walk almost any day. And I like, I love the walk, but um, I just adore this and always have. It's just such a groovy, <laughs> bizarre little song. Um, and um, it's, it's uh, to me, it's far more accessible than a lot of their early experimental stuff. Okay. Uh, it's more fleshed out. Um, so it's, it's, I don't think it's not, uh, it's not necessarily, uh, un, it's not, it's well known from fans, but I doubt it's very well known from beyond the main fa- fan base. Uh, and I will say it was disturbingly dis- not included on the remasters and it should have been. And uh, it is one of the most egregious omissions uh, from the uh, remasters. Yes, well, for for a future release. <laughs> um, well, I've always loved The Walk myself, and I've always loved this version as well, too. Um, I like them both. Um, I really like that whole Step on the Beast mm. little EP thing, that cassette that came out and all that. I just thought that was, um, you know, so cool and experimental. And, of course, we've talked about how... I love their experimental B-sides. But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This is a a great cut. And um, I guess I would be fine with either version being the album version, seriously. So I guess I probably like it about as much as you do now that I think about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's just a great song. Yeah. And I had Step on the Beast as a possibility and The Walk Part 2, quite frankly. Any of them could make, you know, deep cuts, great B-sides to talk about in, in a session like this. Um, just, you know, in the end, okay, which is my favorite? So I'm going to pick that. Although, like I said, I think all of the others sort of combine in this and it would, man, that would have been a, the whole thing. What a great EP that would have been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to you. What's next on your list? All right. Well, um, I think I'm going to go, my next one is going to be the, uh, and I guess we're going back to Step on the Beast here. Isn't it Satellite of Love? <laughs> yeah, great song. The, um, not the live version, but, you know, kind of the studio version one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think Lou Reed even mentioned that it was his favorite cover of that song, or he, he thought it was the best cover he had ever heard of it. Yeah, his song. Yeah, the best cover of anybody had ever best done. Cover it. of his song. Yeah, and um, it's just, it's just. I mean, if you know, if you know the original, you know, I think you're going to like this one right away. And I just like her, um, her vocal delivery when she, you know, when she's doing the uh, Harry, Mark, and John, you know, that kind of thing. And it's kind of sinister, but yet a little um, sad, you know. Um, I do like. She says my name in it. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> That's right. Second one. Um, it is a little sinister there, but uh, and of course, you know, here she is saying, "I've been told that you've been bold with Harry, Mark, and John." It's like, are you talking to your your boyfriend? Is he bisexual? Um, you know, are you are you singing it from a, a a woman's point of view? I don't know, you know, or a man's point of view, you know. So that that gives it a duality as well. And it's it goes back to um, like Tula Gosson that um, that it was first they first performed it as a as a live uh, track um, and, uh, and and another possible uh, sweet well, sweet dreams and um, and then they had done a studio 
video version that only came out on that cassette. And that's a, so this is a very deep cut if you don't have it, although it was included on the remasters, sort of as not part of the TVP, but it was, it was one of those bonus cuts that kind of uh, was out there, but was, I was so grateful for, cause I'd had it on the, the uh, right by your side uh, bonus cassette that came out with invisible hands, angel dub, um, uh, Satellite of Love. What was the fourth track? I'm forgetting. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's such a great song. The, it, the live version was fantastic. The studio version is just sublime. Just everything about it. Uh, it, it the music, the delivery. Uh, Dave does part of the, the uh, lyrics in it. So, um, yeah, that's... I wonder like, if it was originally supposed to be on the Sweet Dreams album. Maybe um, Wrap It Up kind of took its place or something. Uh, maybe they felt they needed something more punchy and positive. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's It would have made sense that it was... It was interesting, though, that um, it... It, it came out on that cassette that came out with the right by your side single, which um, with touch, but they'd been performing it on sweet dreams, touch yeah. sweet yeah. dream tour. So yeah. When did they, when did they record the studio version? I, I would have, I would guess during sweet dreams, that would be my guess. I don't know that for sure. Could have easily been there. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know what to do. It's back to because I've got this whole long list of things. You may have to give me more than five. You may have to give me more than five. I'm going to. Why don't we? Why don't we do? Uh, <laughs> let's do two more each. Okay, and then I'm going to ask for more. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to do something that's not. It's not been released by Eurythmics necessarily, but it has. But <clears throat> there's a great, um, from the Art of Mix, there's a great, it's called the Cabby Mix Medley. You know, you know this. Okay, it's 13 minutes and 27 seconds. It's the best, bar none, um, medley of songs that someone's done. And it was done in late 80s, maybe early 90s. Uh, Art of Mix did a lot of remixes. But this particular 13 minutes and 27 seconds, um, and, I, and I bring it up because it's never been officially released, you know, by Eurythmics. I don't even know if they would do such a thing. Um, but it's it, it goes through, it starts, uh, and there's a beat throughout uh, that changes, but it's great for... It, uh, Great would have been great on the dance floor. I'm sure it was played many times on dance floors. Um, but it starts out with "For the Love of Big Brother," uh, "Love and Love Is a Stranger." Who's that girl? Jennifer. Let's just close our eyes. I should mention "Sweet Dreams," "Sex Crime," um, "Baby's Gone Blue." I could give you a mirror. The alternative version, and then a "Sweet Dreams" Spanish version is mixed in with all that. But it's so, so well done. And it's not, um, sometimes when people will will make the medleys, they don't get the backing beat right that they have to use to, to merge them all together. Yeah. And this one was so interesting because it took songs that you didn't expect to be on it. Uh, For the Love of Big Brother, which it's, it's so well done. You could have totally turned it into a totally different song um, and that they use Jennifer and let's just close our eyes. Baby's gone blue. Um, it's, it's just, it's just a favorite. It's always been a favorite. So when you said, let's, let's talk about some things, you know, that, you know, kind of your favorite things uh, that, you know, aren't, you know, the most public things, maybe. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, if, if you don't know it and you're listening to this, if you don't know it, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and I would encourage you to go listen to it because in my opinion, it's the best medley uh, that I've ever heard. And there's been a few done, but it's quite good. I, you've heard it, I'm assuming. Yes. I mean, um, our friend Maureen Martin, I think she sent me a, a copy of it way back in the like 1990 or something like that. And that was the first time I had heard it. Subsequently, I was, 
I was able to collect it, but what? Go, go ahead. I said, I bet I sent her a copy of it. And she's, <laughs> I <don't> see it. <laughs> that could have been, I could have ended up getting your copy. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, no, you're right. I've, I've, I've always thought it was a great, um, it's so listenable. You know, that's what, that's the thing about it. you just, you can, I don't know. For me, I'm not, I'm not terribly big on remixes and, 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 and medleys and all that. But this one, was like you could just listen to it and it and it flowed so well and and you're right it had those interesting songs that you weren't going that you wouldn't necessarily expect and yeah I agree with you it was a great medley and of course later in years later artists started doing these kind of things themselves you know I mean mm-hmm. they would put out usually when they're trying to do a greatest hits or something like that they would put out medleys or or remember that backwards forwards thing that. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah. well done. So anyway, so I know it doesn't really probably fit this theme, but for me, it's it it is one of those things that. Oh no, it, I think it totally fits the theme. Yeah, I'd actually love to see uh, Eurythmics and the record label, you know, take some of these kind of things and actually officially release them, go and get yeah. them. So I don't even know how art of mix and how these things work, but um, it's really well worth it. So yeah, yeah. What's your next pick? Okay, so. I'm down to my last two. So okay, so uh, my next one is Caveman Head from In the Garden. <laughs> um, I just I've always thought this is just a really bizarre kind of you know kind of um, rocking number and and with the most bizarre lyrics and I have an idea what I think it's about, but I don't think I can really say it. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> It's just such a bizarre song. It again, it's another one that doesn't sound like anything they've ever done before. And um, I know that back in the early to mid '90s, this song was quite popular in like underground raves and clubs in LA and maybe other big cities too. But um, I would, I had lots of friends who would go to these things, and also, and I'm talking about our friend Maureen again. Maureen Martin, she would tell me that her son would go to these clubs in LA and all that, and he would hear this as well. So for some reason, this song struck a chord in the uh, early to mid nineties with the underground dance scene. So, but I just always thought it was a a bizarre song, well done, mysterious, and um, with kind of a hmm, edgy theme, shall we say. Uh, and until you said that, I had totally forgotten about that. But Maureen did talk about she. I remember her talking about her son, and that he would go, uh, and he and and he. It was over it, more than once that he did hear that uh, being played. Um, and, yeah, I, and, and I had friends that would would tell me that they heard it being played as well. You know, what was another song that was played in in a lot of underground clubs too that I that I heard people tell me back in the day was the live version of Never Gonna Cry Again that was on the Eurythmics live album. Hmm. For oh. some reason, for some reason that got underground club play. I don't, uh, I love that. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, fan, fantastic. Um, I'm going to say that Caveman Head has never really been one of my favorites. I have a. Uh, in Woo-hoo, the, I'm unique. <laughs> in the garden is one of those. Um, is is one of the albums that um, I struggle with a lot of the the cuts that you know that to. Um, I'm, I'm tr- I try to find a lot of melody. I think in songs that I really like, and um, I, I'm not finding the melody in Caveman Head. I can uh, I can listen to it. But it's, it's not one that I'm going to put on and listen to over and over. But I'm glad it's one of yours. <laughs> that's that's an interesting perspective about like you know um, maybe a lack of melody. Um, yeah, to me it's more just like kind of like a bursts of emotion, staccato mm-hmm. bursts of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, All I, right. I, I, no, sorry. Go ahead. I think a lot of people, a lot of fans of the early uh, Eurythmics, are probably like, "Oh, that's terrible that he doesn't like uh, all." But it's it's just it's never it's never spoken to me. I, I don't know why. Well, um, you know, I, I I find in the garden for me has aged like fine wine. I mean, it's mm-hmm. when I listen to it today, I just I just really think it's was 
kind of ahead of its time a little bit. Um, very well done. I mean, just and, and, and Dave's guitar playing and the instrumentation is just something. It's the oddest thing in their canon, probably because it was, I think they were, you know, they were new, they were trying to find their way. Um, and I have to say, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of it when I was younger and when, you know, back when they were in their heyday, but I really appreciate it now. I mean, and when you listen to it carefully, you can hear a lot of shades of things to come. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, yeah, I can see that. Well, we mm. talked about it before. Yeah. So, okay, Mark. So this is your last selection. No, I've got too many. It can't be the last one. Well, we can always do a deep cuts part two. <laughs> I don't know if I have any. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, let me just say really quickly what I could have included. Like, mm, no, I don't know. I shouldn't do that, I guess. Oh, you want to do like a bubbling under? <laughs> uh, we, we've got to end it sometime. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a B-side. Uh, and it's a We 2 R1 B-side, and it's Rich Girl. Mm. The B-side to Don't Ask Me Why uh, did not, again, I have a running theme here. It did not make the um, remasters. Cannot, for the life of me, figure out why, uh, because, because it's it couldn't have been something that had been lost. It was just 1989. Surely it's there but i love the duality at the beginning of it between the the guitar and again the um the piano keys um and um, i just have always loved it i love the lyrics um you know uh, and annie's always obsession i, I think with or or looking at other women or having a song about from a female perspective about a woman. I don't know if it's an, it just, you know, she, she does that quite well and she does that quite often. Um, what did it, it ended up being a B side. They clearly recorded it during the we two or one sessions. Uh, would it have fit on the album? I don't know. I think it could have, because I think it's very, there are various songs on the album and very different ways that they did it. Uh, the various tracks, but I think it's I, I think it's a fun song and always liked it. What's your take on Rich? Girl? I think the I think the B sides from We Two Are One were 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 you know really good. I liked them. Um, they maybe weren't as ex well. No, I'm not. I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say they weren't. Maybe they weren't as experimental as the early B sides. But that's not true. There's some experiment experimenting going on in those songs. Um, Rich Girl was never c kind of one that like stood out for me like wow i love this but i always liked listening to it i always would listen to it and of course it would it's that same you know recurring theme of um, anti-materialism um which was later explored to the to its probably full potential on money can't buy it but um but yeah and, and like you're saying you like you pointed out um another song from a speaking speaking from a, a woman's point of view towards another woman or something like that um it definitely could be a song that's up there with how long shame money can't buy it rich girl those kind of themes so yeah i, I like what you said there because i have often thought that a lot of themes on diva uh that she completed the thought process that she started on We Tour One. And I mm. think you're spot on that Rich Girl is an early version of Money Can't Buy It, you know, in a way. And not necessarily, you know, part two. It's just, I think there are themes that she clearly had in mind. And, and I think it, she, she's, to me, she sort of fleshed them out on Diva. Yeah. Um, and, and there's even the lyric, you know, I'm a rich white girl. Mm hmm. And it's plain to see. I mean, it's right there, isn't it? Rich girl, right in the song. Yeah. So <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Yeah. So I, I think um, there was something going on. I've just always thought so uh, with a lot of things. And, um, you know, don't ask me why. And then why, of course, on Diva. But uh, right, I've, I've always thought that that was interesting. Uh, and there's that, the my, my baby's going to cry. She used my, my so well in Little Bird. Not that that's right. a that's a right. theme, but it's a continuation of of how something's done. But 
it just seemed like there was something there and, and they talk about, you know, how difficult it was and you kind of get a sense that, you know, maybe she wasn't quite done. And I don't think she was retreading anything. I think it was just, I think if you're an artist or if you're a writer, that sometimes you have these things in your mind and in, in your brain and it's percolating and uh, they're still going on if you didn't quite finish them, perhaps. Right. But, um, anyway, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I even looked, you know, and uh, I had it on, a, it came out on a vinyl, but I had a, a, the cassette single of Don't Ask Me Why. And of course, it was on the, it was the B side on the cassette single as well. So I always remember listening to it on that cassette single. Yeah. Yeah. Those cassingles. Cassingle. <laughs> so 80s and early 90s, I guess. Didn't, didn't they have those symbols on them, like CS or something on the back? <laughs> it was the, the, the Kasingle logo or something. <laughs> I guess. So do you, well, have- you, know, you know, with the theme of Rich Girl, and you, know, you said it was fleshed more, you know, completely fleshed out and money can buy it. It's like, it can't be more fleshed out than money can't buy it, sex can't buy it, drugs can't buy it. I mean, how can you more plainly state it? <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's I mean, you can't get any plainer than that. And that's what I've always loved about those lyrics there. Of course, now we're talking about a different song. Okay, anyhow. (laughs) So, okay, so I guess this is my last one here. Hmm. Well, it's between two here. I think I'm going to have to go with Double Plus Good from 1984. (laughs) Ah, I was going to pick "Lifted" from Peace, but oh, guess guess what? I had "Lifted" down on my list as well. Yeah, (laughs) maybe we can do it. We'll do a deep cuts part two, and we'll talk about that. Well, we've talked about "Lifted" before. How much it means to us? So yeah, go ahead. So double plus good, double plus good. Um, it's on 1984 album soundtrack, and um, it's just. An ex- in my, in, I just think it's an experimental masterpiece of a song. I mean, the instrumentation is astounding. I mean, and, and the remaster, especially the, uh, the red vinyl remaster that came out a few years ago. Um, I heard things in that song I hadn't heard before, you know, okay. Maybe, you know, people might say to me, Oh, well, you know, I ha- always heard that. It's like, well, okay, maybe, maybe I wasn't listening hard enough, but I mean, I heard, you know, I heard things in the background that I hadn't heard before and it's just so brilliantly done. And, you know, and the, it, it's a, it's a whole play on the, the, uh, the double speak of 1984, but yet it's kind of a dance song as well. And um, it's just bizarre experimental. And that's why I love it. It is so interesting to me. Um, it's, it's it's just a great song from 1984, but it's so interesting to me. Uh, read comments on you know the fan boards and things. How many people think that that should have been the follow up single to Sex Crime? That it shouldn't. It should not have been Julia. It should not have been if they'd ever done it for the love of Big Brother. Yeah, but it should have been double. Doesn't really have a. It doesn't really have a. It's not a a, a, a real proper song for the radio because it doesn't. But uh, yeah, it doesn't have the standard chorus stanza thing going on, and it's interesting. You know, when you hear, I mean, it's a it's a it's a very common theme that a lot of fans think that it should have been. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, yeah. You know, radio stations were picking it up. Uh, probably alternative stations, I would imagine. I don't know, um, but it, it, it does make you think. You know, if they were already very avant-garde, so had they done that, what kind of response it would? We we won't know, but you know, it would. You can't say that it, it was a radio-friendly. Uh, possibility as a single, but would it have been one of those things that for some reason radio picked up on? And it could have happened. You could you could have seen that. Um, if people, you know, I, I suspect a lot of English and literature teachers would have <laughs> found that interesting. Like, to, right? And I'm sure some many did. But um, to, anyway, it is. Know, we've, we've talked about like. Eurythmics having a song that gets wildly rediscovered, sort of like um, Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill. Wouldn't it be something if Double Plus Good was that song? Mm, could be, yeah. <laughs> like what if it was what if it was featured in some key scene in some 
yeah. hot TV show or, or, or movie. And it just caused a sensation like Kate Bush's song did. Yeah. I mean, you never know, you know, and the way the fans talk about this album and this song, you could certainly see that it has that potential to, to, to be liked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to uh, an interview with Kate Bush the other day and she doesn't do a lot of interviews. So I was listening to it on YouTube uh, you know, they're talking to her about the success of, of that and, and how incredible that is and how amazing that that happened. And then somewhere along the lines, I, I read how many times it had been used on TikTok or something was, I don't know, some ridiculous amount of, you know. And then you see it on every single reel or something on Instagram. It doesn't have to be anything that's artistic. It can be someone's fitness video and they're using uh, running up that hill. Yeah. And, you know, which I do believe that that's one of the best songs ever recorded. I know this isn't a Kate Bush uh, podcast, but uh, to your point, you know, um, for something so odd, really in itself was an as alternative it, it, it was always seemed pop to me but it is this kind of a alternative song yeah. and uh, you, you could well, it was that. definitely alternative to me back in the day because yeah. where i was living in florida at the time i mean that was kind of underground i mean you heard it you heard it to its credit i'll say you heard it even in a conservative radio market like florida but um yeah i always kind of thought of it as more alternative yeah, but uh, yeah, you could you could see Double Plus Good being one of those that somehow was taken out of obscurity and and used in a special way in a film or a TV show, and I think that's the beauty of what's going on these days. You know, with that there are so many things coming out now, uh, and music is such a part of film, uh, and um, so you know it'll be interesting to see. Um, but uh, that's a good pick. That's a good pick as a deep cut. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so that was our deep cuts podcast. So I think we'll end up. I think we'll end up doing a deep cuts part two because this is kind of fun. It's fun <laughs> to see what you know what what you pick and what I pick. And we before we started the podcast, we were saying, you know, what if we pick the same one? It's like, well, so what? <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if Siskel and Ebert could do it, we can do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was kind of this was kind of a different kind of podcast for us in a way, just to sort of like let's just let's just kind of talk about and and we knew what our subject was, but you and I didn't discuss it on purpose because we wanted to see you know we we didn't want it to to not be spontaneous in the sense of like well what's he going to pick and what's he you know so um, I think that was kind of I hope I hope people liked it. Now what we want everyone to do is discuss these kind of things and tell us in comments where we post about the podcast, you know, and, and tell us, yeah. tell us everyone what your deep cuts or your favorite B sides or your favorite, you know, really bizarre out there track maybe. And to me, it doesn't really have to be as you can sort of tell on some of my picks and maybe even yours, you know, it doesn't like the don't ask me why acoustic version it doesn't have to be a, in my mind, totally out there to me. It's some, some sort of like, well, what might've gotten, overlooked a little bit or that the general public really didn't know about. Um, but I would like to know, I'd love to see the discussion with everyone on, um, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be some discussion on how Mark does not like a uh, caveman head. <laughs> Mark is crazy. But that's what I want to hear. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear what you agree with. We want to hear what you disagree with. We want to hear what you would have picked. And um, I even want to hear, my God, how could he pick that song? I hate that song. I, I want to hear that too. So <laughs> no one is going to say any of that about that. No way. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great. Well, it's great to be, uh, to be recording with you again. We, um, we've not been quite as um, uh, timely lately, but that's okay. Uh, it gives everyone a chance to miss us just a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there, there's been summer vacations going on and things like that. And uh, yeah, you had a great vacation. You had gone on a vacation. So, and we, um, the reason for the absences. Yeah, in our last few podcasts, we had guests. And so I thought it'd be nice to get back to, um, for a couple of podcasts, anyways, just get back to just you and I talking because um, that's always fun, too. Well, that's how it really kind of how it all started, wasn't it? Because we, right. we would. We would, 
be chatting about things. And, and we finally said, you know, why don't we just kind of talk about this? So, and again, go back to, so we can start a conversation yeah. uh, with other we would, we would be chatting about, to each other about, you know, your rhythmics and we'd say, damn, this is great. We should, we should have too bad. Nobody can like join us or hear us. And we're like, wait a minute, we could do podcast. <laughs> we have enjoyed bringing people on. So that's been great. Yeah, no, yeah. that's been great too. Well, thanks for, for, thanks for the idea. I thought it was a great idea. I hope people enjoyed it. Or enjoy it. Well, they'll let us know. All right. Well, thanks everyone. And we'll be back soon with another podcast. So take care. Thanks. See you next time.